Stay tuned to acure.org for the latest updates on the world's only conference dedicated to cardiac unloading and heart recovery at acure.org. You're listening to Heart Sounds, TCTMD's award-winning podcast hosted by Shelley Wood. Hello and welcome to the Heart Sounds podcast for August 2023. I am your host, Shelley Wood, the managing editor of TCTMD. This is the podcast where I tell you about some of the top cardiology stories of the month. I can already predict that most of our top news for August will come from the European Society of Cardiology Congress here in Amsterdam. I am recording this episode on the last day of the meeting. Maybe you can hear the fatigue in my voice. I am going to tell you about some of the highlights of the meeting, and to help me out with that, I am joined by someone far more fatigued than I. Professor Franz Weidinger is the current president of the ESC. He is also the head of department at Clinic Landstas, Vienna Medical University in Austria. Let's get started. Thank you so much for joining me on the Heart Sounds podcast here at ESC. How has the meeting gone for you? Busy. Busy, but very well, because we saw many, many people coming to Amsterdam, which is, of course, uh, for us, uh, the most important fact that many people come back to uh, such a big meeting and uh, uh, leave their homes and computers to be on site. So this was really uh, the best um, feedback and message for us that people are are willing again to come together and share their experience and and, and knowledge and, and have discussions on scientific news yeah, and face trials. to face. Face to face, absolutely, yeah. yes. Yeah, I have to say, because I did come to ESC last year, of course, was the first one after the pandemic, and I had a bit of trepidation at that meeting. It was so busy, but last year, for example, I chose to still wear a mask. I'm not wearing one now. And the, the sessions had a, a certain air of a little bit keeping yourself to yourself. But this, I mean, they are packed. I, there was one day I was so glad I got there early for the hotlines because actually they, they couldn't let enough people into the room. So that's a bit of a credit to the program organizers that these topics were interesting to people and, and yes. people were eager to get in them and see them. Right. So we actually underestimated the, the number of people wanting to you know go into the uh, big rooms, hearing the hotline sessions and guidelines. So we had a lot of overflow and couldn't accommodate all people, but it's a nice problem to have, as you say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So you liked the fact that people made the trek and came to Amsterdam. What about some highlights for you? Any particular sessions that jump out as being special? Yes. Well, I chaired, you know, hotline session one, and I think it's important to hear that uh, a drug like semaglutide and losing weight does so much to uh, people and well-being. And so... It'll be important to see what it does in the context of uh, HEFPEF. Uh, and, uh, but I think obesity uh, is addressed in, in a very novel way in this, in this trial. And so I, this was created a lot of interest. Um, the second study was also very important, although neutral. This was uh, NOAA. The, the NOAA AFNET, AFNET um, right. showing that it's really ha- it has to be proven atrial fibrillation uh, for oral anticoagulation to protect from uh, systemic embolism and stroke. So I think that was a very important study uh, because the trend is, you know, to anticoagulate many people with suspicion of AF, but that trial really showed that it's a high risk of 
just you know raises the risk of bleeding and doesn't benefit the patients if you don't prove that it's really uh, AF. So yeah, I was important. speaking with a colleague who was covering this, Todd Neal. He said, oh, it's negative. It's, and I was like, well, negative is still matters, though, because it reminds people what they don't need to do Absolutely. and the harm they might um, avoid causing, perhaps. Right. Yeah. And another study that w had a very important message in that regard is, is uh, ECLS, so the, the role of, uh, of ECMO yeah. in... in, in in people with shock. And, this is your uh, field. Yes. So, you know, it, it's already widely used and um, maybe, uh, you know, too soon without enough evidence. And so I think uh, Holger Tide and his team really did a great job in, in designing and, and uh, doing such a trial because it's an important message for the uh, community that it's actually not, not to the benefit of the patients. And, um, of course, we have to think about the, the population that has been uh, studied, but mm. um, it's one, important. But it's probably and that one will really set up what yes. people also want to know, which is Impella. Impella, and, um, of course. Don, danger, yeah. danger trial that we're still waiting on. Right. So sure, we have to bit. have even more data on these invasive circulatory uh, support systems. But it's uh, it's an important first step to provide randomized data in that regard. Hmm. I was going to ask your opinion on some of the, um, the there was a couple studies related to complete PCI versus staged PCI yes. and um, any any take homes from those? I'm putting you on the spot. Yes, I think uh, MultiStars was presented and um, published in the New England Journal. I think it's very important to uh, show that, uh, you know, uh, immediate complete revascularization is as safe and as efficacious as uh, stage procedures. Yeah. So I think that's an important message because we knew that complete is better than, than incomplete um, uh, in, STEM, in the STEMI context. But this study really shows uh, is a big step forward because it, it gives more, um, you know, certainty about the timing of exactly. the complete yeah. revascularization. Yeah. Other things. I was making the, the trek from the Amsterdam room back to the press center. Mm -hmm. I would, you know, different things would catch my eye. I caught, I guess it was some sort of game show quiz that was going on yeah. at the sort of ESC TV mm -hmm. area. But it seems like there was some very serious things happening at this meeting, but also some quite fun things as well. Right. I think that's important. You know, the open areas, uh, where people can just pass by and sit down or not, you know, is is important to attract uh, the young people, but not all, not only the young. It's 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 easy to either stay or, or move on. And uh, although it's a challenge for the acoustics, but it's always nice to have these open spaces and open areas. So we we, we like that, and and uh, I think it it attracted a lot of people. Um, and so I think these these. Uh, sessions as well show the the, the need and uh, you know of people to to share on a personal level uh, both uh, their experience and uh, address very clinical practice uh, matters. So, yeah, relevant I, topics. Know, relevant topics, and I think uh, the personal exchange contrasts in an interesting way to the AI part of the discussion that we had. Because AI obvious, obviously is a strong part of our digital health uh, component of the um, of the scientific discussions. That, so I think this meeting proves uh, the the power and the the value of in person uh, discussions. Yeah. 
Not as opposed robots. to, you know, generative AI and all these things that we discuss. So did you go to that session? Because I saw a lot of people tweeting about it, but I didn't make it there. Uh, well, we had a joint session with ACC and AHA to, uh, this morning okay. on, on the, the, the role and the revolution of AI. And I think it was interesting because a lot of positive messages came on uh, a, the role of AI in imaging, mm -hmm. the role of AI in predicting disease just from an ECG to predict uh, left ventricular dysfunction or future AF, which was fascinating. Uh, but then in the discussion, uh, it was interesting to hear also that we have to be cautious in, in taking up AI at this point in time because uh, there are reasons to uh, uh, take a role as cardiac societies, and there were three of them there to join this uh, session, to also, you know, um, say a word of caution, taking up AI algorithms and new ways of predicting disease or maybe even taking uh, decisions to intervene, you do interventions yeah. based on AI-based uh, risk prediction because an intervention may benefit the patient if it's done early, but it also incurs the risk of the, of the intervention. So this was the level of discussion that we have to be both uh, very open for these novel mm -hmm. technologies, but also cautious on the other hand and, yeah, and take testing. responsibility uh, in testing and validating all Hold these. Hold them accountable. New, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I'll have to circle back to look at some of that content because, of course, this is available on demand. I always remind my staff that we can go back and look at some of these things for a little while afterwards if there's sessions we've missed. There are many more hotlines I could ask you about, but is there any in particular you, you think are worth discussing for the podcast? I think the uh, hotline that highlighted the uh, intravascular imaging studies is very important for, for the interventional community because we've been waiting for a long time to uh, show and to have, you know, clinical endpoint studies to show the value and the benefit to the patient uh, for intravascular imaging. So uh, even though Illumion 4 use surrogate endpoints such as, uh, you know, minimal stent area and stent thrombosis. Um, it was very important to show that, for example, stent thrombosis was cut by, I think, two thirds uh, with the use of OCT and also uh, stent area was improved. I sat through the press conference and I thought, okay. oh, my goodness, I wish I didn't because I could have assigned that to one of my colleagues. But no, mm -hmm. I made the mistake of taking it myself. And then I sat through the whole session and I thought right. this is a form of torture for those of us who don't understand the field that well. But it must be heaven for people yeah. for whom it's their jam, you know. But I think what people are struggling with is, as you say, Illumion 4 was negative on the heart clinical outcomes. Yes. But October, which was in patients right. with bifurcations, it was positive. And then, of course, there was a meta-analysis tying everything yeah. up that actually pointed to benefit. But, I mean, kudos to you and the, and the program chairs for, for putting those all in one session. But it's a lot to digest. Yes. I think it's important to uh, point out that, that the more complex the procedure gets, the more benefit you can expect from mm -hmm. intravascular imaging. So that's also important because you don't have to do it in every case. This would be impossible. But seeing that bifurcation lesions with two stents, you know, th th that there is a clear benefit in terms of clinical endpoints does give a strong message to be better select these technologies that use, you know, resources, but also need more time in the cath lab. So I think these studies, yes, give 
yeah, add another step forward yeah. in that direction. Yeah. Well, this is the, the first meeting of your presidency. It's a two-year yes. term. Right. Uh, any particular lessons learned that you're going to have sort of to use going forward? Well, uh, hopefully... You probably need a bit more time to think about that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we have awesome. to digest, of course. But maybe next year we have to provide bigger rooms, which is, again, uh, nice to plan. But I think, you know, having clinical trials and clinical discussions on the uh, impact on clinical practice is very important. So implementation of guidelines, both guidelines and studies that we just discussed is very important because not everybody can use these technologies. Not everybody can use uh, or implement uh, all the recommendations given in the guidelines. So we, we haven't even talked about the guidelines. Yes. We released four new guidelines right. and one guideline update. Right. So yeah. at this point, I'll just tell people you can read all about it on tctmd.com because we'll be covering all of them. But yeah, that it's a balance of the documents telling you what the experts believe you should be doing. And then the studies providing the evidence base for those right. guidelines as well. So discussing the way we can implement uh, the guidelines and uh, trial results when they are important is part of our mission because we are, a very, you know, we have 57 member countries. So the ESC has to uh, deal with implementation a lot because we have a wide spectrum of, of uh, you know, both uh, resources and, the, and different healthcare systems. So this is a large part of the, our discussion is about implementation uh, of our guidelines and that's going to be part of next year's uh, mission, of, of course, also to uh, discuss this year's guidelines. What have we done with this sure. after one year? Yeah, I think about that a lot. If we as a news organization write about these huge studies or, or the guidelines, but especially these big blockbuster studies, and I would say this year's step, PEF-PEF, was probably the big one. People yeah. are excited about semaglutide. But, you know, if people can't access that medication or you think about some of the heart failure drugs, they're just not taking them. You know, the evidence yes. shows that it works, right. but the implementation, as you say, isn't happening. I'm not sure it's as interesting as news stories go, but I certainly understand that it's important for the people that show up at right. this Congress. And, but you know, part of what we want to do is to to enhance uh, data collection and and, and uh, invest also in, in registries that show uh, implementation of guidelines. So we call those snapshot surveys short-term uh, registries where we want to map uh, the uptake of uh, guideline recommendations into daily clinical practice to kind of feed into this what we call virtuous circle of uh, guidelines education and implementation into clinical practice yeah well i know how busy you are here so thank you very much for making time to chat with me about this i very much hope to be uh, back here well it'll be london next year and we'll see how this meeting has continued to evolve that would be great. Thank you very much. Thank you. That is it for Heart Sounds this month. I strongly encourage you to check out our print and video coverage from ESC. You can find that on our conference hub at tctmd.com. I want to say a huge thanks to my entire team. That includes reporters Michael O'Reardon and Todd Neal, who joined in person at the Congress, but also Caitlin Cox, who worked some pretty strange hours back home to help us out, as well as Laura McEwen and Yael Maxwell, who also chipped in remotely. Our senior clinical editor, Mamas Mamas, was with us on site, and he recorded some excellent interviews for his video program, Beyond the Data. Please check those out, too. 
Big thanks to our multimedia team for helping us capture those videos and turn them around so quickly. It was wonderful to see so many old friends and colleagues here in Amsterdam. With any luck, I'll have just as many interactions face-to-face -face with folks like you at the TCT meeting next month. I will be in San Francisco with the whole TCTMD team, and I hope to see some of you there. That's not the only meeting on our radar, of course. Also in the cards in the weeks to come are EACTS and VIVA. So keep the news tips coming, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Heart Sounds. Do you love listening to Heart Sounds? Check out all new original content from TCTMD. All new episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud.